Coming up on the Real Stack Guy podcast, NBA enthusiast and big-time Indiana Pacers fan Arslan Siddiqui joins the podcast to talk all things NBA. We discussed his Pacers, the falling Lakers, rising Jean Morant, and much, much more. In part two, we get our second player profile of the season. Arslan and I go over Chris Paul's NBA career and all the things that have made him great. We ask where does he rank among the greats and what were the best years of his career. A fun player profile for you ahead. But before that, the beginning part of this episode, you will hear an emergency podcast where Noah Cohen came back and joined me and Arslan to discuss IU's disappointing loss to Rutgers and what it means for them in their tournament hopes. So we, we recorded that part moments after the game uh, the other night. So a lot of emotions were flying, but for all IU and, frankly, Purdue fans out there, I think it is a must-listen. Uh, so that's what you'll hear first, basically going to be the opening sound for today's episode. Okay, without further ado, here's me, Noah, and Arslan. Then right after that, you'll hear all the NBA talk with Arslan. And here we go. Okay, the original plan for this episode of the podcast was to do some NBA talk with a former, another former teammate of mine. I love having all my former cross-country and track teammates on to talk basketball because that's all we did before. Um, a little change of plan, just a slight. Uh, with IU basketball losing on this evening that we are recording, um, we had to do our first little half emergency podcast. And unfor- I, it's very unfortunate this is the first time we have to do this. But with that being said, I have two guests on. First, uh, a new guest, uh, as I said, my former teammate, Arslan Siddiqui, who we are going to end up talking more about the NBA and then Noah Cohen is back to talk about IU basketball. Unfortunately, because Noah, you sent me a text at one point this week saying, if IU loses, you're coming back on. I didn't think it would happen this way. Um, yes, I, we, I texted you yesterday. After the Minnesota game, I said, hey, I'll come on. I'll eat my words. Um, and then after this one, close it close to the end I said Josh if I was right you got to give me my due and here we are uh, about 45 minutes to an hour after the door just closed on another season uh do you and, think that's yeah. it yeah I think it's um, over yeah I think it's over I mean we'll get into this after once we get to the IU segment but like I know Josh are we good to go can I oh we're can there I go? oh we're there we are oh at the we're IU there segment um Okay. Yeah, no, the, the season's over. I mean, it is college basketball, so they're barring some miracle. We could go into Mackey, and we could win. Um, Purdue is going to shit pump us. When they play Indiana, this is all they have. This is like their Super Bowl. Like, they will be up for this game. We are coming off a devastating loss. They're going to run us out of their gym. It'll – whatever – like the score is it's just we're gonna have to accept it um like this was a play-in game we were both on the bubble and any bracketology you looked at us and Rutgers were on the bubble this was a must-win game we didn't win like we we let them come back we had a chance to put our foot on the gas and just like any game the Wisconsin games even the Purdue game which we happened to win like we have a chance 
to go and take the game and we'd let them fucking come back and take the game. And it's time and time again. First half, we look good. It was great. Second half, I don't know what happened if they, like, Ron Harper Jr. got hot from three. Like, it, I, 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 I don't know. Like, I'm stuttering on my words. But the season is over unless we go on a tournament run or a Big Ten tournament run. Like, that is it. And we'll play in the 8-9 game. So, we'll maybe get Michigan State or Michigan, which will be a good resume boost. Then we're going to have to go into the next round and beat someone better than us. And I do not see it happening. Like, we are not good in the Big Ten tournament. Like, and you can always say, oh, it's a new year, new stuff happening. It is the same story over and over and over it's, again. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's everything we talked about last week, literally a week ago. I, I, yes. And I, I never want to say like the quote, like I told you so, but like, we cannot win three games in a row in the Big Ten. It hasn't happened in forever. I accept that. Like, I understand that we're mediocre. We are like, I sent this text to um, my buddies a, a little bit ago. I said, why would any premier recruit come to Indiana? Why would they look at all the Big Ten teams, all the Power Five teams and say, yes, Indiana is where I want to go? Because unless he's an Indiana guy, you are looking at a generation of kids who have seen the Hoosiers in the tournament four times in 14 years. I was sitting at um, Fork and Ale with Grant Weber watching the game. And we were talking about NCAA tournament plans. And I was like, well, maybe we'll get lucky and be able to finally judge our plans around if IU makes it. Because it hasn't happened. It has been seven years since we've seen this team in the tournament. That is mediocrity. Like, it is insane. It, like, I, I'm sorry if I'm repetitive and I'm stuttering over my words. I'm at a loss for words. Watching what was once a beloved brand of basketball be so abysmal and so bad and have, like, no fight in the end and no will. Like, yes, you can blame it on Woodson, but the freaking players, man, they, the opportunity was there, and they did not show up. The team as a whole went six for 21 from three for 28.6%. Pathetic. Our transfers, who are supposed to be locked down, sharpshooter, three-pointer, three-point shooters, Malerikov, one for seven from the field, one for five from three, five points. He did hit those two big free throws, which anybody on the team should be able to hit. Um, uh, Parker Stewart, two for nine from three, 22%. He got lucky to get that last one in. I'm glad Woodson trusts his guys. He did it with Rob against Purdue, and he ran another set, a wide-open set, back-to-back. Like, just make your goddamn shots, and that's a whole different game. Rutgers did everything they wanted to after – or everything – they could to let us take pull away from the game. They were missing free throws. They were turning the ball over. Like we have an inability as a program to be successful. This is our reality. And next year, all the, like I've never, barring some miracle, like we make a run, the pressure will be so, so much on Woody. It's not just make the tournament now. It's make the tournament and make it to the second weekend. Like, the expectations don't change just because you had a failed year. I, it's like if they don't make the tournament next year, what? Like I'm not calling for Woodson's head, yeah. but he's old and he's already over two and what a five year contract. Like maybe it would be time for him to find a successor and figure out the next plans because we have no top recruiting class coming in. 
We had an All-American this year. We are going to be ninth in the Big Ten. Pathetic. Like, we have enough talent to make the tournament. It's just a major step back for a program that's already on its deathbed. And, like, I don't know, contribute what you guys think is – yeah, well, let, like, let me let me pipe in because again we talked last week about the well, it's it, right. It's been the end of games for IU. There, I had a stat that I said about you know they basically lose the last four minutes on average by three points uh, in Big Ten play. They did it again, and to make it worse, IU had a win probability above fifty all the way up until two thirty four left in the game when Rutgers hit the three to go up by one and never got the win probability back. It was all Rutgers from there on out. Arslan, crazy. you want to pipe I mean, in which here? is just infuriating. Because, like, I mean, with everything that Noah just said, like, I'm just going to, like, cut him concisely just because I don't want to repeat every single word he said. Fair. But I agree with his overall sentiment. Is that, like, this is just, I mean, this game is just, like, kind of a microcosm of, like, every single IU, bad IU loss this year is that, like, I mean, I was texting my college roommate earlier today that, I mean, we have the talent. We're good enough to beat any give, any Big Ten team on any given day. But we're also just like just complete stupidity or complete mediocrity. We just shoot ourselves in the foot quite a bit, and we can lose to any Big Ten team on any given day. And like as Noah alluded to, like the two Wisconsin games were, we honestly should have won both of them. But we lost both of them, like partly because of Xavier Johnson just like trying to be a hero. And trying to like get us get that win by himself, playing selfishly. Yeah, but you say that now. But that X game. is the only reason we won the last two games. He was he busted his ass tonight too. Like he might not have a perfect shot. He might have had his up and downs. But without him, we wouldn't have been in the position we were. Like maybe if we get some more stable point guard play, and we'll see what happens in the transfer portal if Rob comes back. But X is going to come back, and we got Jalen Hutchinson. Like I mean, I X do like Jalen. Yeah, Jalen's gonna be a beast. Um, Josh, I'm see, and I'm I'm just seeing this tweet. Yeah. It says it appears I use locked in as the number nine seed in the Big Ten tournament. That means our potential eight seed matchups are Michigan, Michigan State, or Rutgers. So, I I'll go back on my I will I will eat my words right now. The season's not over. We need to win. We have to win that game. Those are all gonna be bubble teams, and then we have to win the next game. Like there is still a possibility, but the margin for error is as thin as it could be like yeah. unbelievable. And I feel bad for race Thompson for such a great career he had here. I think he committed under Tom Crean stayed for Archie and now he's here and like under Woodson and he gave it his all. I think he's peaking as a player right now and his senior night got ruined and I feel bad for him. Yeah. Like, I mean, I will say that today, like the only two players that really did show up were X is that he wasn't great today. Like, I mean, he did have some, like, really stupid turnovers, but, I mean, he did play with his heart out. He played aggressive and hit, did hit some tough shots. And then Trace Jackson Davis had a hell of a first half. But the problem is that our offense just, like, is either X hero ball or Trace, like, trying to post it up. And, like, I mean, I do like Trace Jackson Davis, and I respect him a lot, but you can't expect the biggest piece of your offense coming from a guy who can't shoot from 10 feet away. And, like, I do like Race Thompson a lot, and I feel terrible that his senior night got ruined. But objectively – he just didn't have a good game today, and that's just the thing with, like, almost every single game for IU is that, like, we're always – I mean, we're close but never good enough that in close games we just find a way to somehow – I mean, it's not even the other team, like, beating us. It's just us, like, committing self-inflicted mistakes, like, 
we were up by like nine or so, like for a good chunk of the second half. And then somehow Rutgers just got hot from the three point line. And then we just couldn't get it back together on offense. And like our two other starters who, like Noah said, were brought in as transfers to be our shooters. They couldn't hit anything to save their lives. Like Parker Stewart, two from nine, Miller Cop, one for seven. They were confined for three for 16. And that's not even the ugliest stat out there. The ugliest thing is that they played a combined 65 minutes. And guess how much Tamar Bates has played? Not saying that Bates would have been better than either of the two, but Bates only played five were, yes, it's decent that Woody trusts his guys, but at the same time, he has to like realize that, all right, it is not their day. Let's try something else out. Let's adjust or so. And I'm not calling for Woody's head or so. Like, I think he's a massive upgrade over Archie, especially when like establishing the culture and such. But, I mean, there, there have been, like, questionable coaching decisions from Woody. That being, like, still giving Stewart and Cop minutes, hoping that they'll somehow shoot their way out of the slump. And also, like, a really bad coaching decision I saw from Woody was against Ohio State when we lost, where after they hit a big shot, and, and on our last offensive possession, 10 seconds left, we had a timeout, didn't use it for some reason, where, I mean, we're heading into next year, is on Woody to, like, also, I mean, he's doing a good job installing the culture back, but it's on him to, like, make coaching adjustments again and having a more concrete plan, especially on offense, too. Yeah, let here, let, let me hop in. I want to I wanna play Angel's Advocate for a second. Get it? Not Devil's Advocate because we got to go with the positive. We'll play Angel's Advocate for a second. Um, obviously, I, I, I just don't want to group in – it's, it's hard to say, like, in Woodson's first year to group his year with, like, Archie's years or Crean's years. Obviously, seven years missing the tournament sucks. Like, we all know that. And we I think we all agree, like, we want to give Woodson more chances than this year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. I mean, okay. yeah. yeah. The right, thing right. is, is that we gave Archie so much time. And on his first day press conference, they hammered in the idea he needs his guys. He needs his guys. So what'd we do? We gave him four years to get his guys, and we gave him that much time to miss the tournament year after year after year. Well, the ro- like it's unfortunate, and I said this on the last, last podcast, it sucks for Woodson and his crew, but it's such a fine line. Like, we want results, and we want them now after waiting four yeah, years definitely. and being a bottom two program in the Big Ten. Like, yep. Northwestern has made all the teams are better than like we've got history, I guess. But yeah, it, they, it doesn't it doesn't excuse like all the things that have happened. It's just like we are saying it's a compound thing, and so I, I kind of have this theory where. So okay, let's take all the games that we think IU lost that they really should have won, right? Which is what maybe like six or is that? Do you think it's that many this year? I think um, like let's see, Penn State we should have won. Also the Wisconsin game like. Let's be realistic. Like, let's say that we split the Wisconsin games. Well, well you're right. So, no, so that, no, no. We should have won both Wisconsin games. Not realistic. Okay. We were up by 22 points in their gym and lost. We blew a what, a double-digit lead to them in the final four minutes and lost. We should have won both those games. Don't give them any freaking, like, oh, we should have split. No, 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 no. We no. should have had that game, but we should have had both Wisconsin games. We should have had the Penn State game we let slip away. The Iowa game in Iowa City will let slip away. Um, didn't show up for the Michigan game. It's 
unexcusable. We were beating Illinois at home at halftime, ended up losing by 15. Yeah. All right, no, we no. sat five players against five key players against Northwestern. Let that game go. We were in and out against Michigan State. We were in it against Ohio State in Columbus. Don't forget like, Syracuse. What, eight games? Like, no, it's not like it's yeah, the no, same I, story game after game. I know. So, right. So, okay, here's here's my theory. So let's just say it's like six games, right? If you can just win half of them, then they're they're in the tournament, right? Not even half. Bro, if you like can they win see one like of one them. or two. Just like yeah, one or like two. one or two. So that's that's where it's like you coaching or playing has to be better in one out of these six games or two out of these six games, and then you're fine. So that's where like that's why I wanted to just separate the difference of like being patient on Woodson, but also like this is year seven of the same crap that we've been same crap. About and seeing. you can give Archie the same excuses like, oh if that ball would have bounced that way, like any game winning shot, like, Oh, we could have won. Like the guys he brought in got hurt and it just ruined his whole plan. Like other coaches around the country are doing it with less. And it doesn't make sense. Like I get it. If you put on the Indiana Jersey, you're freaking cursed. Like there's no if, ands or buts about it. Like Parker Stewart will not be remembered ever in the story of Indiana basketball. And I feel bad for him. It's a senior day. Like, we, we're nothing. Like, I'm sorry I'm, if I'm a, not even beating a point to, at this point. Like, I'm just talking. I don't know. I'm venting to you guys about this. Like, I'm sorry. Um, that, hey, that's what we're here for. We got to vent. Look, I'll hey, be I mean, there. It's like seven I'm, years of mediocrity. Let's just enjoy the ride. Yes, here's All what's right, going to happen. I mean, it's just my, frustrating because, like, we're always close every single year or, like, in this game. I mean, this year we've been close in every single game. In a yes, lot of but you're games. Indiana. You shouldn't be close. You should be a top five program in the Big Ten. You should be, like, Michigan State, Ohio State, even Illinois. Like, you should go in knowing you're going to be in the tournament. Like, you shouldn't have to play. Every morning I wake up and I check bracket matrix and all the brackets to see if we're in or we're out. Like, it should not be that. We were 16 and five at one point and we let it slip. Like every year we should get in and we should know, oh, we're going to, we're going to compete for a big 10 championship. Like that is what it should be. Purdue, they might not make noise in March, but they make it to March. That's the thing. Like, I mean, that's true. But like, let me finish my point that, I mean, yes, we've been close in a lot of these games, but unfortunately close doesn't cut it. Like, I mean, we've been close to in the tournament in the Archie days. Unfortunately, we didn't make it. We're probably not going to make it this year. We're, I mean, I'm already going to pencil it in. Barring a miracle, I don't see us winning in, at Mackey. And then, like, we would need to get really lucky in the tournament. But we just don't have that level of consistency. That That's even if we do get out of that 8-9 game, is that beat either Michigan, Michigan State, Rutgers. And then we just have to, like, pre- we just have to, like, cross our lucky stars that we somehow get Wisconsin. Like, they be the number one seed. Because, like, I don't think we match up well against Illinois, like, you're right that, I mean, we could have beat Illinois since we were beating them at halftime, but, like, we saw what happened in the second half that, like, Kofi Cockburn just absolutely destroyed Trace Jackson Davis because, like, he can't, Trace can't defend against guys who, like, can bully him down, and Cockburn is the best player in the Big Ten at doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, which I agree with you that with your frustration that, like, even close, but close shouldn't cut it. It's that, like, we had so many chances this year, and we're going to be closer to the tournament again, but we're not going to make it, unfortunately, right. barring a miracle. No, so, hey, hey, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is where I kind of wanted to go with it next. So 
they have the they'll have a first round game against somebody, obviously. But really, for them to even tell tell me if this gets them in the tournament, beating Purdue, winning that first round game. Or, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, let, me back, let me back up. Let me back up. They have to win the first round game no matter what. Oh yeah. So now easily. it's a combination of winning the first round game and either beating Purdue or winning the second game, right? Would um, that be enough? Yeah, if they beat Purdue, it'll move them in. So if they beat Purdue in Mackey, I I'm no bracketologist, but my assumption it's a freaking road win yeah. against a top ten team. They might be struggling, but it's still a big win. It'll move them into the tournament, and then they just can't trip on their own feet, which this team and program is um, allergic to doing is yeah. fumbling any opportunity. So, so I, if they win in Mackey, you know it'll be great. Yeah. But, Essentially, in the next three games, right? Purdue's the last game of the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, in the next three games, they need to win two, and one of them has to be the first round of the tournament. And Absolutely. they either will need to beat Purdue, Wisconsin, or Michigan State. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, uh, either Wisconsin yes. or Illinois would be the one. Or Illinois. Team. Illinois. So, that, I mean, that's, that's the route, barring, yeah. barring other things happening. Yeah, which, I mean, knowing that, like, I mean, being an IU basketball fan, it's just a perennial tease. This is probably what's going to happen. We're going to beat Purdue. Yeah, yeah, give prediction a time. Prediction time. Hope. Go, Arslan. Yeah, because, like, this is what's going to happen as an IU fan just being a tease that we're going to beat Purdue, have a sliver of hope, and then lose that first-round game. And then, that, I mean, and then say bye-bye to our tournament chances because that's what happens. It's that, that would be so funny. We just funny. know how to, like, make it close enough to, like, inspire a little bit of hope but never go all the way in Noah you got a prediction I think you were starting with one a few minutes ago yeah so I mean we'll get some we'll make you know if we make tournament or the NIT it's postseason play whatever it'll give optimism whatever happens the offseason will look like this some players will transfer we'll get some transfers and um it will be fine and dandy like we'll overhype them like we did this year and then um you know we'll hear from Woodson and it'll be like oh this guy's doing this and this is doing this and optimism will be at an all-time high and the fans will be back for Hoosier Hysteria like they are every year this program would be dead without the fans like completely utterly on their deathbed six feet under but the fans will be back because that's what we do. And we're dumb. And we come back year after year to have the same conversation. I remember last year, we freaking lost to Rutgers and our tournament chances were gone again. Year after year. And like, I, I mean, it's you can only say sorry so many times. So I'm curious as to what point you're going to start losing fans. And like, I know I'll be back. But at some point, like, I'm only going to get manipulated so many times before I step away. So... I don't know. That was my prediction is everybody will be back just to let it happen again. Yep. Hey, I have no, I have a verbal meme and then we'll get you out of here. Okay. Um, I'm... All right. Verbal meme. Uh, SpongeBob dressed in like the, the, what's, what's it called? The leagues under the sea costume, the superheroes. What, what was their superhero names? Do you remember? When yeah, Merman Man Barnacle. SpongeBob was the flexible one. Yeah, when they were like, the, oh, it was like the Justice League or something. Whatever it was. The Justice League Under the Sea. It's uh, SpongeBob says, want to see me miss the tournament? Want to see oh. me do it again? Pain. 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 Yeah. 
because it's so accurate. Uh, no, you didn't. Like yeah. That one. No, I mean it's too accurate. It hurts my feelings. Like, uh, it's it's like I don't know. I've got nothing. I'm I'm glad I could come on here and express my feelings and be upset and complain and vent. I'm I'm glad you're able, well. I'm not glad that it happened, but I'm glad that you were able to come on. Um, I actually just live tweeted saying that we were doing this. So yeah, I retweeted you. Oh, did you? I retweeted you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, Look, I'll say what I've been saying is I'll be there on Saturday hoping for a win and I'll be rooting for the Hoosiers, but optimism's low. And I don't know, man. I hope. Uh, like I, I don't know. I, sorry. Stay, stay optimism. Stay optimistic. Stay positive, and then we'll see what happens. Um, right. I will. You, Josh. What's your prediction on for the rest of the year? What do you think is going to happen? I would say loss of Purdue, win the first round, then lose the second round. That seems the most likely outcome, and that's pretty results- similar. Similar to what Arsenal was saying is uh. You know, we'll win the first round game. It'll be like, okay, if we can just beat Wisconsin here in the second round, we can punch our ticket in. And then it'll be a 65-all game with two minutes left, and Johnny Davis will hit a shot down our throat. Like, so, yeah. I mean, if it's against Wisconsin, what's going to happen is that just like in the third time, Xavier Johnson will try too hard to be a hero and then will shoot us in the foot. Uh, maybe, but he's been our heartbeat for now. So, I mean, we have to, we have no choice but to live and die by him. But like, you can't. I mean, after that first Wisconsin choke job, you can't like leave that game and be like be happy with how X played. Where I mean, he was probably the face of that choke job. Where I mean, he tried too hard to be a hero, and then led Wisconsin to come back. Yep, I've got Josh. Before I leave, I've got my emergency stat. Okay, yeah. Oh, yes. Go ahead. Um, Indiana is fourth on the Power Five college basketball total following on social media list. It goes Duke one, and they've got four million two hundred thousand total following. Then Kentucky, then North Carolina, then right there is Indiana, and at five is Kansas. Which one is the outlier? Like it is unbelievable. Those four teams, except for North Carolina this year, um, is so consistent at being good. Why are we so bad? Like, it does not make sense. That That is the question we are all trying to answer. Yeah. Well, I, I, I have two last notes on tonight, on what happened tonight. Um, the ending was very similar to the end of the Purdue-Wisconsin game. Right, like the last sequences were exactly the same. Tonight? Yeah, the team was down three, hit a three to tie it. Then the other team came immediately back, hit a three to take the lead with a couple seconds, and then the other team wasn't able to get a shot off at the end in the last few seconds. Yeah. Just like the Purdue's constant. I guess. And then also, I think you, one of you guys mentioned it, but it sucked that this happened on senior night. Yes, I feel bad for them. Um, but – I would rather be in Purdue's spot and not win the Big Ten and get four buzzer beaters hit in our face throughout the year and still make the tournament because you can't win without being in the dance. Like, 
Ask that me is true. Last you year. have to be in it to win it. Thank you. Yes. And when you're not, it just is it's a waste of a year. And um, Woodson said, it's not over. We got to keep fighting. At least he's up. Got to get over good, the hump. Good luck yep. getting that let's, locker room up. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's keep fighting. Let's hope they keep fighting. Noah, thank you. I'm out of here. Thanks for having All me, right. Josh. Yeah, Thanks I so appreciate much. it. Yes. It was good to talk to you, Arsalan. I appreciate everything. And uh, maybe on Saturday, if there's a result or anything, you know, I'd be happy to come on. Also, one quick thing. Last podcast, I said I compiled the list of teams that have made the tournament um, since in, or teams that haven't since Indiana last made it. Grant Weber actually gets the credit for that one. So Thank I you will. For I, that. I'm, yes, I love to give credit where credit's due. So. I apologize, Grant, and I appreciate you having me on, Josh. And, uh, yeah, um, I'll talk to you guys later. Go Hoosiers. Go Hoosiers. Thanks, Noah. Talk to you soon. Bye, guys. We are back with Arslan Siddiqui. Uh, We are now going to do some NBA talk. The first real NBA talk on season two of the Real Stack Eye podcast. Uh, So, Arslan. We have a lot of kind of catching up to do here at least oh, yeah. for the viewers and for you and me. It's been an interesting season. Um, is there anything that just has stuck out to you so far about the NBA season? I don't know about the NBA season. Definitely a lot of, especially like with my favorite team is that like for the audience over here, I'm a diehard Pacers fan. And I would say that prior to the trade deadline, this has been the most apathetic I've been about the Pacers where it just seemed like that, we're just, it's going to be like another season where we try to compete, even though like everyone can see that we are nowhere close to being competitive for the playoffs. And even if we do somehow we're making to the playoffs, we're gone the first round and we're just tired of like, like exactly what Noah said for IU basketball. We're tired of seeing the same crap over and over again. We're like, we just want to like, I mean, we want to get to being competitive, but just you have to like start somewhere first have a direction where I'm glad at the trade deadline, we finally decided that where we got rid of Sabonis, we got rid of Levert. We got a nice young piece in Howard Burden where he's a second year stud. And I feel like that Howard Burden will be an all-star further down the road, but I'm glad that for once that we finally decided on a direction that we finally decided for the first time and God knows how long that we're going to have, we're going to reset, get ourselves probably like, I hate to use, I hate to use the word tank, but we're going to try to like get a better draft pick. And then like fun fact is that the last time Indy had a top 10 pick was, well, technically 2010 was Paul George being the 10th overall pick, but we haven't had a single digit pick since 1989. We're in today's NBA where for a small market team like Indiana, you can only win by like drafting us. I mean, if you're a small market, you need to draft a next level superstar like LeBron, like the Cavs did with LeBron in 03. OKC was Kevin Durant. Milwaukee was Giannis. We have to like, we have to hope that we have to get the first overall pick and take Jabari Smith or, I mean, or whoever we do draft in the first round ends up being that stud. We're right now the Pacers. We're in a good spot for that. We're the fifth worst team in the league, have a record of 22 and 42. Where I like, our, I mean, I know that it sucks that we suck, but I like the fact that we finally ha- have a direction. We're finally looking to rebuild and to look forward to the future. Yeah, you 
you make a great point is that the Pacers for the longest time, it was, they were always like last in the lottery or one of the last playoff teams. And you're, yeah, you're just living in mediocrity. You're not so which, NBA I, purgatory. I like to call it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's a good way to put it. And uh, cause you're, I, I also hate the, the thought or process of tanking. Um, but like, I don't think that's really what they're doing. Like they just, they decided in the direction of we can't have two centers. We can't have X, Y, and Z players. We have to try to, you know, release or get, you know, shed like the excess, get rid of salary get an actual potential star um and who knows how great Halliburton will end up being i just know he's really good right now like oh, no, he he's was really one of good those picks in the draft that people were almost surprised he went that late or like they thought that he was going to be the steal and he he kind of was a steal um so it was obviously a great trade for the pacers so like as you said it, it again sucks like not being good but it's good knowing that they have a direction hopefully Right, yeah, which, I mean, Noah was saying this, that, like, I mean, what's, like, I mean, IU basketball is always, they're always going to have a huge following because it's fans, and they're going to buy, in, and even if we're mediocre, they're going to buy into the same thing over and over again because of their history. For the Pacers, unfortunately, we don't really have a fan base, or we don't really have strong fan support, and I hate saying that because I feel like that I'm one of the very few diehard Indiana, Indiana Pacers fans over here. And even I've been pretty apathetic that it's been like so many years where I'm like, we're either making into the playoffs, losing the first round or barely miss the playoffs altogether, but we're not bad enough to get a premier top draft prospect. Where in 2010, we got lucky that Paul George happened to fall to us. And then, because we had a player like Paul George fall to us and we built the right pieces around him, we were able to contend. But the last time we were true contenders was 2014. It's been eight years. We need a new direction. We need to retool over and over again. And that starts with like, well, I think that Hal Burton, he'll be a future all-star. I don't think that, I mean, I think he'll be in that tier of being very good. But for a small market team, again, you need you need to get an elite prospect where, we need, where our franchise guy has to be a guy that, we're getting in the draft yeah and we've see obviously most of the following around here is indiana sports fans which is why it's great to talk iu great to bring up the pacers a bit and we've had some pacer fans on here before talk about it and just say they say very similar things um and just that you know you have to find well okay you talk about finding the direction but like you also oh my god i lost my thought <laughs> happens well with us Oh, oh, one one thing that that like we had mentioned previously was like they had at one point like a really good lineup of players, right? And it was like it was one of I, I called it at the time it was like the best five players you could have, like like they had like the best fifth player essentially. Yeah, but like that's 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 gone now, and so they. Well, the they problem is that in, I mean that might have worked well like in the mid two thousands where yeah. the 04 Detroit Pistons got away with yeah. it where. You can have a collection of five really good players, but yeah. that doesn't work in today's NBA. Yeah. Then you need That's, to have at least one elite player and like a few other like borderline all stars. Where we were, I mean, we were good at having like a bunch of very good players, but mm-hmm. we didn't have that go to guy or that elite player for a while. I just remember what I was going to say. It was about uh, it was about being a small market team. Like that. That's mm-hmm. one of the more common points is that like the Pacers as a small market team have to. There, like there's a formula for a small market team to win there's a formula for like a larger market team to win 
and the one player that like the player you talk about getting was Paul George and then he left like he wanted to leave so it's like then you have to start over and that's what's happened since 2014 Mm -hmm. yeah which I mean like I said in the small market if you're being a small market like the two two or three main small market contenders in the league right now are the Memphis Grizzlies Milwaukee Bucks and I would go as far as saying Utah being a small market contender we're like well, Utah's not doing so hot this year, but they can be a contender if they get their crap together. And that's all because, yeah. like, all those teams are really good at drafting well. Like, let's take Memphis, for example, that they're the third best team in the league right now. They're, I believe they're 41, 42 and 20. And that's because they drafted... 43 and 20. 43 and yeah, 20. Thank yeah. you, Josh. But, like, that's because they draft... I mean, they killed it in the draft, like... Funny thing is that they're similar to the Pacers in the fact that they had to retool. They had the grit and grind Grizzlies, but they saw the writing on the wall that they would be stuck in NBA purgatory. So they like scrapped the project altogether. And like they drafted an elite prospect in John Morant, an elite one, and then surrounded him with a bunch of good players like drafting Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark, and also traded for like good pieces around him, like traded for Steven Adams, knowing that he'll be the perfect center to run pick and rolls with, with John Morant and knowing that how it would complement him. Like Memphis ran a masterclass and how to contend as a small market where you draft an elite prospect and you build the right pieces around him. That was a great transition, by the way, to John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, yeah. He's my favorite player in the league right now. He's, he's incredible. I mean, so, okay, again, we're recording this Wednesday night. Um, so – what was it two nights ago that yeah. he had Which, just a, a, a ridiculous game? Um, oh no, that was actually going to be my stat of the week him dropping a 52 pointer. Oh, save it. I mean, you can save the rest of the stat. We might actually have a similar one. Uh, but I want to, yeah. hold on. I got to, I got to find this tweet that, that someone, do you follow Shea Serrano? Yeah. He had, he had a very, very good tweet about, um, about the John Morant like game. Oh, I'll yeah. find it here. Oh, okay. He said, it's crazy that if someone this morning said to you, hey, did you see that Jean Morant highlight from last night? I can't believe he did that. Like it was a once in a career kind of highlight. You would have to say back to that person, which one are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. The fact that in one night he did like four, as Shea puts it, like once in a career. Um, right. Had that crazy right. poster over Jakob Pertl. Yeah. Had that long range three and then that buzzer beater yeah i mean just insane where i mean the dude is younger than both of us i mean i forget how old he is but like this is his third year no older than like 22 yeah it's like i want to say that derrick rose was 21 when he was in his third year and so like ja had spent two years in college so yeah i think ja is 22 yeah he is he is 22 august 10th 99 yeah, which wow, as a reference, like I mean, I'm 24, Josh is 25, 26. 26, yep. Right, yeah, which I mean, that's crazy that I mean, a dude at that age where I would go as far, I mean, unpopular opinion, and this is just me being super job biased, but I'll go as far as saying that I mean, Pete should be the MVP this season just because that he has a great narrative around him that has the third best record and carried Memphis to the third best record in the league only half a game behind the second best record in the league. And he's doing it with like a bunch of very good teammates, but none of them are all-stars or he's doing it on a non-super team, which is really refreshing that you're seeing a small market 
team doing well, not like super teaming it up. And then they're like genuine contenders. And like, I follow like the Grizzlies social media accounts pretty well. And I just love the cohesiveness for that team. Like after Ja dropped that 52 piece, like you had the entire team celebrating as if they won the NBA championship because like they all like support each other. And they all have that sense of unity where Josh, you being, um, you being a coach for Bloomington South cross country, is that, I mean, that's like the camaraderie you would love to see within your team, right? Yeah, that, I mean, that's what you hope for, like a, a culture like like that for any – right, any team should hope yeah. for that, that kind I'm of I'm hoping, like, with this newfound culture, like the Pacers can draft a guy like Ja, and then, like – and then that installs a new culture around that where you need to draft – I mean, Memphis, the, way re, the main reason why is that, like, they draft, draft someone, like, the special. And, like, same with Milwaukee is that, like, they got really, really lucky that with the 15th, not even a lottery pick, but they hit a huge diamond in the rough with Giannis where like you drafted a special guy as a small market team. And we saw that he ended up being that special to back-to-back MVPs, a defensive player of the year. And then like won the NBA finals last year. And then like, I forget how I'm really bad with ages, but like, I forget how old he is again. Giannis, like, I mean, is, he's—I believe he's twenty-six or twenty-seven. Um, so this he's is actually, twenty-six, twenty-seven. He's yeah. been. This is his ninth year in the league, and he's already in the NBA top seventy-five. I'll go as far as saying that he can. I mean, obviously, just like too much time to tell, but I'll go as far as saying that he's in the top thirty-five, just based off his accolades so far. He is. He is twenty-seven, by the way. So just a year older than me. Um, and we can actually get to that later. I have a section we can talk about, like the NBA 75, but it's because I think he's the youngest player on there, Giannis is. Right, yeah, and well-deserved. Yeah, like, just very, much, his very much. Score. Two MVPs, yeah. defensive player of the year, a champion, yeah. and the best part of it all, and this is my favorite thing, is that he didn't ha- he did it on a small market team. He didn't super team it up, and, like, he had a, a bunch of really nice teammates, like Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, but none of them were, like, super team. None of them are like other elite players were. It's just refreshing after like the last few rings or so. It's because that, especially with like those KD, Steph Warriors, it's that you just have, you just built a collection of like very good players by just like buying your way through. And it was just frustrating to watch. They, they've they found that small market formula that we were just talking about with the Pacers had to figure out like the Grizzlies and Bucks have, have got it and they just, they got to keep it rolling. Um, exactly. I have... We're- I have Draft a ja- that guy special and then build around him. I have a ja, uh, ja Morant stat for you. Yeah. Uh, ja Morant became the fifth youngest player all time with three 40-point games in a four-game span. The four ones younger than him were this – is, this is some company. Allen Iverson, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Walt Bellamy. So the fifth youngest Ooh, I'm surprised three 40-point you- games in a four-game span. Oh, no, I'm surprised that I didn't hear Will Chamberlain up there, or I didn't even hear LeBron up there either. Right. Yeah, no, that, that, is, that is interesting. Especially because Ja did it at 22, we just said. 22, yeah. So the fact that LeBron like, had a four-year head start on him. Yeah, and then, like, LeBron did, I mean, and LeBron, I mean, he was very special as it is. Like, in his fourth year, he carried the Cavs to the NBA Finals with basically a bunch of G-leaguers. And then he didn't even do that. And then, like you said, AI, KD, Walt Bellamy, and Devin Booker. Yeah. And then, like, surprised Walt didn't do that because, like, heading into the league where he was one of the two players to win MVP and Rookie of the Year and same year the other one being Wes Unseld. 
But, like, back then, he was already, like, shattering scoring records, which, I mean, that just shows how much elite company yeah. Ja is. And not even Derrick Rose did that. And D. Rose want, was the youngest MVP ever at 21. So you, you like that comparison, the Ja Morant-Derrick Rose comparison? I mean, in terms of play style, it's pretty similar. Uh-huh. But, like, I, but in terms of person, the best way I can describe Ja Morant is that it's, like, Derrick Rose's play style where, like, D Rose has more explosive hops, but John Moran like glides through the court better. It that makes sense. Like he's more smoother when he's more smooth when like going up and down the court. He but, almost is a mix of like Rose and Iverson. Oh no, yeah, I was about to say that like AI too is that and, like just not because like AI, he was like not necessarily a powerful dude, but he was athletic in the sense just the way he moved. And I'm glad you brought an AI because like personality-wise. Derrick Rose, as you knew, was, like, pretty calm, timid. Well, like, not saying that Jaws Wild, like, AI was, but he definitely has, like, AI swag or, like, that whole, I, I don't give an F about you or this is my squad. Or, like, I mean, if you mess with my teammates, you're messing with me. Like, he just has that competitive demeanor where you don't want to mess with him. Like, he's built for this. Hey, uh, what is, what's up with the Lakers? Fill, fill me in on your, your take on the L.A. LeBrons. The LA LeBrons were that's a great way to put it because it's literally just LeBron. Where I mean, I'm a huge LeBron fan as it is. Like, I'm willing, I'm willing to go as far as saying that LeBron is the best basketball player I ever. I mean, he's the best basketball player I'll I second, ever. Seen. I'll second that. And I'm as far, and then I'm willing to go as far as saying that I think he's the greatest, even over Michael Jordan. But this is also like LeBron's own doing where we saw this with Miami and we saw this was the second time in Cleveland where the problem is that he forces his team to be so dependent on him where, and then like the rest of the pieces, when they just start falling apart, it starts, the whole team falls apart where we saw Miami his last year is that like, it was such a LeBron oriented team. And then the rest of the pieces weren't ready. So, so it was just like LeBron takeover mode over and over again. And then we saw that last year in Cleveland where Cleveland like literally rehauled their team in that 2017-2018 trade deadline. And it was just LeBron having to do everything again. And then this time in LA where LeBron has to do everything again, where Anthony Davis is barely available. Russell Westbrook's a shell of, him, of himself. And the rest of the, the Lakers are honestly just scrubs where it's impressive that LeBron can still like play as well as he can at 37. But the different, but things though, he's 37. It's not like when he was 27 or even 34 that he just has the physical capability of like single-handedly carrying his team to the NBA Finals where he's just not at that junction anymore, especially like in a really competitive West where you have the three best teams in the NBA all in the Western Conference. And even like more stud stud teams too is that like the Western Conference is just a bloodbath where you got your top three teams in Phoenix, Golden State, and Memphis. And followed shortly after that is Denver where – they can be scary once they get Michael Porter and Jamal Murray back. Dallas was Luka Doncic, and then Utah was Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And then, like, after that, it's just, like, tough to, like, surpass any of those six teams. Yeah. And I don't think that L.A. – I mean, if L.A. were to make it to the playoffs, I don't see them beating any of those six teams. And also, with the problem with the Lakers that if you would just, like, watch them, like, if it weren't for, like, the ESPN hype around LeBron and all that – if you were to watch the Lakers, they just don't look like a team or so is that they just look dead. 
if the, if like, they, they didn't don't look have, like they want to play basketball. Yeah, if they didn't have L.A. Lakers written on their jerseys, you you might think it's. I don't want to give them too much hard heat, but I will. The Kings, I don't know. The no, at least, Pelicans, like, the Trailblazers, like you would just think it's one of those teams. Yeah, because like, didn't I mean the reason why I like watching teams like the Grizzlies, like the Suns, or so is that because they all play hard. The Lakers just yeah. straight up don't. Yeah. So la- last year, uh, up until last season, I should say, my my thought for a long time was the team with LeBron. They're just they're gonna get there, right? Like LeBron is enough. Obviously, okay. last year it, it wasn't enough to just have LeBron. So I feel like I'm now to the other side of it can't just be you have LeBron James. Um, and you mentioned like yes, he is 37. He's still playing pretty well. But here's here's an interesting take that that I'll throw your way um and this actually is going to prove a theory that I have that um as as a sports show you can pretty much create anything and mention Tom Brady which I'm about to do so LeBron in basketball or sorry in football you only play one side of the ball right oh yeah so it's a lot easier for theoretically for Tom Brady to play older and other quarterbacks are showing that but like LeBron plays both sides of the ball. And so like he's he's playing the entire game. And like think of how many minutes he already has stacked on him. Um, it, you know, playoff seasons and whatever. So that's like that's just the semi-difference of saying, like, oh, just because they have LeBron, they're gonna do this. Where like you would say, like just because they have Tom Brady, they're gonna do this. And we're really starting to see this year that it's you can't just do it with LeBron. Like they're they're 27 and 34. They're in the nine spot. They're only two games above the 11th spot. They're not even guaranteed to make the playoffs. Yeah, which I mean, and then also, like, kind of like to piggyback on it too, is that like another comparison is that like just because of the nature of their positions where Tom Brady doesn't have to worry about defense, he'll have his defense bail him out as usual, but I digress. And then like LeBron, he hasn't <laughs> played defense, but like, as great of a player as LeBron is offensively, defense, he, like, completely mailed it in. And that's just because he just doesn't have, like, the energy or stamina to do it anymore. And also with Brady is that he just doesn't have to move as much as LeBron has to. Where, like, that just takes a toll on LeBron's body LeBron. and stamina. Where just being at, at 37 or 38 is that you just can't move as much or as well as, Le- as you could back when LeBron was, like, in his – high 20s or low 30s because he actually had the body and like the physical capability to do so like we saw in his Miami days where LeBron was able to play offense and defense hard just because he had the stamina and the energy to do that like if yeah I would say if if you remember LeBron's first season with the Lakers it was kind of like a half season that was the first year he didn't make the finals in eight seasons and it's because most of their team was hurt including him yeah. But this year, they've been relatively healthy, right? I mean, he, he's missed a few games. I think AD missed. I mean, outside of Anthony there, Davis. But... Right, right. And so or that's like one of my friends like to call him Anthony Dato Davis. And I, that is, I've never heard that. That is great. Anthony Dato Davis. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. But yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see like... if. Oh, good. What were you saying? Oh, no, I was about to say we're Anthony Davis for two things. It's one. I mean, he's, I mean, Dwight Howard should be in the NBA 75 list over him. And two is that, like, 
I just have a feeling with Anthony Davis, we're as good as he is. It's that after they won that championship in 2020, it's that I just feel like he mailed it in and he's just like not the same player anymore. And like for the Lakers to even contend, LeBron needs an, I mean, LeBron needs an elite teammate or like someone who can be dependable and can show up. And that's, and the big, and the biggest testament to like available to like being reliable is being available in the first place where if you're not there, you just can't be there at all to help. The, the best ability is availability. Yeah. Hey, who won the uh, Harden-Simmons trade? Who won the Harden-Simmons trade were – I feel like both of them won that trade. Like, Philly won I that agree. trade. I agree. I feel like that's an unpopular opinion for some reason, but I think both teams actually did very well. Yeah, which both teams, like, they won that trade in the sense – if you're talking about, like, who won the trade, like, who did better between the two, I think Brooklyn did. But, like, both teams won the trade that in the sense that they both upgraded. Like, Philly, they got – I mean – they got an elite level player in James Harden for a guy who straight up wasn't playing. And then they got, and in Brooklyn, they got Ben Simmons, who I think is a great fit for them for a guy who like in James Harden, he completely mailed it in. And I'm glad you brought up the Harden Simmons trade is that like a lot of people would, a lot of people listening to this right now, they're like, how the hell are you saying that Philly is not winning this trade over Brooklyn? Like, do you not see Harden and MB together? First of all, they had like two or three games together against like what, the Knicks and the Timberwolves were the Timberwolves are surprisingly good this year, but there's still like nothing great to write home about. And then the Knicks are pretty much back to being the Knicks, back to being the joke of the NBA, aside from that outlier good season last year. Where on paper, this is what I'll say about Harden and Embiid is that on paper they're a great fit. And then they're gonna have that honeymoon phase early on. Is that like Harden's ecstatic that he got the heck out of Brooklyn? And they're going to have them, and they're a great fit on paper that they can both like create shots from anywhere. That pick and roll games work really well together. They both get a million free throws by just flopping, or so. That's just the way they play. But yeah. this is where I think it's going to get sour playoff time, where we've seen over and over and over again, Harden, I mean, out of any superstar in any sport, Harden has been the biggest choke artist consistently. Like there was a 2015 game. Western Conference Finals game five elimination game you needed to show up I think what he had like 13 points and 13 turnovers were if you're going to be an elite player you have to show up in those big moments he completely disappeared and frankly that wasn't even his worst playoff performance he had it was I think the worst playoff performance he had was in 2017 game six at home against the Spurs who didn't have Kawhi Leonard in that game where they were down 3-2 in the series, you lose this game, you go home, so you need to show up. Not only the Rockets got obliterated in that game, but with James Harden against a team who didn't even have their best player, he was terrible in that game. Like, he had, like, double-digit turnovers, like, missed way more than... I mean, he, like, hit 30% of the shots, didn't even break 15 points or so, where he just has a penchant of disappearing. And this is why I bring this up, is that, like, Embiid, like for Embiid, he, he wants a guy who's like willing to like fight there in the trenches and being dependable. Like he just went through that whole Ben Simmons saga where like Simmons wasn't even available there. And like Sim and Embiid's favorite teammate he ever had in the NBA was Jimmy Butler, like a guy who's willing to ride it out in the trenches or so. For James Harden, is that whenever things get tough, he disappears. Like in playoff games when you need him the most, he disappears. When he saw that. He couldn't win in Houston. 
He just mailed it in, gained like 30 pounds, became James Hardy's, disappeared. And then in Brooklyn, when he saw that, like, it wouldn't be as easy of a ride getting a title. And then he couldn't have, like, Kyrie available and KD was hurt and things were getting rough, gave it up and disappeared. And what I can see in Philly is that, like, you know how Daryl Morey is running that front office and, like, how him and James Harden are really close? What I can see is that Harden and Embiid butt heads over, like, whose team it is, or it's Embiid's team, and rightfully so, because it's a city, he's an MVP candidate. But, like, Harden wants things to go his way. Like, heck, like, in Houston, that he wouldn't even defer play-calling duties over our, our over Chris Paul, who, by the way, is our player profile guy. And Chris Paul is the best playmaker, be- highest basketball IQ play basketball IQ player I ever seen and he wouldn't even give up play calling duties over to he wouldn't give up facilitator duties over to Chris Paul until like Harden wants things his way mm. for like I mean I think that that's where they're going to get butt heads where right. Harden wants things his way and Bede wants things his way and eventually it's going to be a clash of egos where Maury has to choose that does he go with his boy Harden or does he go with the established guy of Philly which is Embiid so that's where I think that in the long run I think it's not going to work out for Philly. And and whatever happens, it it kind of comes down to what like what happens in the playoffs. As you're kind of saying, exactly, and Harden, yeah. uh do you want to play guess the age? Do you want to guess how old Harden is? Like 33, 34. 32. 32. So, yeah. so he's he's been in league long enough where he has monumental and multiple like playoff disasters, but like still has time to get that back. And like this being with MD yeah. thing would be perfect timing for him to do something like that so i i they they might butt heads along the way but like they also might be good enough to make it happen yeah but things though that we always seen that harden wants us his way and yep. he has an, a habit of like butting heads with teammates but like yeah it was him and dwight howard butting heads in houston where he made an ultimatum to houston's front office is either me or him does the same thing to chris paul either me or him and like it's just frustrating with harden said like I mean, Houston bent over backwards for him multiple times that they mortgaged their entire team for Chris Paul. They couldn't get along. And to make him happy, they got rid of Chris Paul, mortgaged their team further for Russell Westbrook. Where they, I mean, they go along. <laughs> that sounds then. so crazy to say now. Yeah. Which, I mean, that, I mean, but like, even so, like, and then like, as soon as they, he realized that he can't even win with Westbrook, he just mailed it in. He was like, all right, I'm out of here. Send me to wherever. And then went to Brooklyn where that was supposed to be an easy full ride to an NBA championship as it could get. Turns out it wasn't that easy where Harden got, I'll give, I mean, I'll give Harden some relief that he was playing with a torn hamstring and Kyrie was hurt. But then like the button this year is that like Kyrie wasn't available where I understand that why he would be irritated with that. But like hard, I mean, I think like, like I said, whenever things get tough, Harden runs away and then Harden wants things his way too is that like I think that at the end of it all he wants to be the guy who wins to with the championship and I don't think that's going to bode well when you already have Embiid who's Philly's established guy mm-hmm. I, I would say with James Harden moving teams these last few years fool me once right shame on shame on me but fool me twice shame on you a third time and then a fourth time like yeah. he's you do it a couple times and now you're the guy who moves teams Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, like Lord said, I mean, he said this to Paul George, but like, keep running from the guy from the grind. You boys are chumps. Where that's what James Harden is that he's a chump. Where things get hard, runs away. Things get hard, or in hard moment, 
he doesn't show up. Yep. Yep. Hey, we're going to, we're going to keep going with NBA talk. Um, but first we got to do our stat segments. So those should, those who are listening should know the drill. If you're a, if you're a common listener, um, but we're going to start with the best stat that we saw this week. And it's a guy, mine, it's a guy we've already talked about. Um, John Morant. He set, he set the franchise single game scoring records in consecutive games. Okay. Is, is this your stat? Did I just steal your stat? I mean, it was similar to it where like, I was actually going to bring up that 52 point outing. I mean, literally the game after that he dropped a 46. Yeah. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. Here's my new stat of the week is that like prior to that 52 point game, the Grizzlies were the only team who did not have a player in their franchise score 50 points until then. Right. Yeah. So they, so now every single franchise has had someone score 50 points in a game, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to add to, to, so yeah, he scored 46 points on Saturday, which broke a franchise record. And then yeah. the next game scored 52 <laughs> to, all, to obviously rebreak the franchise record. Yeah. So the last player to <clears throat> break the single game scoring record in consecutive games was Tony Campbell, who did it for the Timberwolves in 1989. And it was the third and fourth games ever. Ooh, dang. So, like, it was very early in, like, a franchise. So, for somebody to do oh, yeah. it this late into a franchise is obviously pretty crazy. And John Morant is awesome. So and then, you know what's crazy is that, like, the Grizzlies, they've been in the league since 1995. So, that's 27 years. I mean, it might be crazy to say that it's only his third year, but he might be the best offensive player the Grizzlies ever had. Barring he doesn't get hurt. All right, ESPN stat of the day. So I, here's what I've found about this. Hockey, I think, has the best ESPN stats. for whatever. Ho- Baseball usually, but we're not in baseball season, which I don't know how much you're paying attention to baseball, but they're not going to be playing games anytime soon. So hockey, ESPN stat of the day. The Winnipeg Jets are the first team in NHL history to blow a four-goal lead and still end up winning by four goals. So they're first to ever score four straight goals, then allow four straight goals, and then again score four straight goals. I'm sure that I mean they were pro- I mean they were probably cooperating with like the people in Vegas, just like trying to like trickle that money line up and down, like mess with the spread. In the same game, they blew a four goal lead, and then had another four goal, lead, and then still won the game by four goals. It's insane. Wait, who was Winnipeg playing against? That's what I was just about to look up. Um, you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of, like, I mean, when I'm sure that, like, you had this experience with, like, Zach and Dylan, but, like, when your mom's like, all right, do you have to, like, let your little brother win or, like, let him get close? So, like, you let him get close, and then you're like, nah, let's go. I mean, let me just, like, go back to dominating you. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. It's, it's the – or it's the classic um, – yeah, yeah, like you want to play it close, but then they, yeah, they get too close, and you're like, okay, I can't, I just, I can't yeah, let it get this like, close. You can't, I mean, you can't, I mean, right when you do it way too well, like, I mean, they're probably, gonna, I mean, I have a younger sibling too, is that they're gonna give up and they'll be like, oh, I don't want to play anymore, and then they, you let them come back, yeah, just to make it fun. So it was, and it was a Canadian. Like, nah, let me show you what it is. Yeah, it was you a say? Canadian battle. The Winnipeg Jets beat the Montreal Canadiens eight to four. 
Canada it was Canada four to crime. three. It was four to three after the first period, meaning the Jets scored four goals in the first ten minutes, and then Montreal scored three goals to end the first period. Can you imagine that having a four goal lead? I mean, whoever the, the goalies period? are, they're going to get fired. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, and, and so yeah, the the three qualify. I feel like I always have to explain these for the ESPN side of the day, but the first to ever score four straight goals, which obviously that's just the first qualifier, then allow four straight goals and then score four straight goals again. So ESPN side of the day, the hockey ones are, are fantastic. Um, weekend preview stats, not really stats as much as just talking about the NBA playoff race a little bit. Um, we can, we can do this kind of briefly. I know we've talked a lot about the teams, but here's how I kind of look at it. Um, if we can, if we tier like the standings and tier teams, how many contenders are you kind of thinking? There are. Let's right see now? that. How many contenders were? I have three contenders in the West right now. And actually, Phoenix. I do it by conference. Like, yeah. so like in the East, Miami, Chicago, Philly, Milwaukee. That feels like they're kind of. And then like, I would say that. I'm scratching my head on this, but a healthy Brooklyn can't count them out. True. Yes. Yeah. That that yeah, and they might be in like their own tier for that um that to play mm-hmm. out, see what happens. Yeah. And then in the West, Phoenix, Golden State, Memphis. Yeah, and I would stop it out there. Yeah. Um. And then, okay, how how do you feel about the playing tournament? I mean, honestly, I'm I like it better at the old system. Just keep it at eight, because like I feel like the playing tournament, all it does is just like delays the inevitable. Yeah, the, I I think already the seven and eights won both times. Like were the were were the teams. Yeah, it's just exciting. Like, you know, you're looking at the standings. Oh, no, hold up. I mean, last year that Memphis was the ninth seed, but they beat Golden State. Oh, you're right. You're right. Um, we like you know you're looking at the standings and. The Lakers, or I'm sorry, one of New Orleans or Portland is probably going to make the playing game. Right, yeah. And then, like, I mean, no one wants to see that. We're like, I mean, honestly, like, put the Lakers out of their misery as it is. It's that, like, they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. I'm sorry, but it is what it is. People people might get mad at us for saying, like, oh, you don't want more basketball? It's like, no, I mean, I, I love more basketball, but. We don't want bad basketball. I also, I also want competitive and i i've had this talk or you know these sorts of talks with like zach and dylan before where i'm a lot of my sports takes are like old school sports takes and this is definitely one of them um so yeah i mean i agree with you with that i mean i don't want to like if it's playing tournament time i mean i don't want to be like hey it's gonna be it's gonna be the pelicans and the trailblazers i'm like no one's gonna want to tune into that or like i don't even know who's in the playing tournament for the east nor should it matter because, like, none of the teams who are going to be in the only team in the play-in tournament who would be a contender would be Brooklyn, but that's because they're a crazy outlier for the season. Right. And you and you would think they get out of it, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, and that's the thing. The Nets and the Lakers right now are slated to be in the play-in tournament, which yeah. otherwise the Lakers would be slated to be out right now. And yeah. that's also part of the reason they add this, which is part of the reason I get upset because you're giving – you know, a team you gotta the regular season has to mean something. That that's my whole point with this. The regular season has to mean something right. at some point, right? It's like college football. Like the games have yeah. to mean something. So mm-hmm. 
Which, we'll see how I understand goes. why they did the play tournament like during the bubble, but that's because it was an extenuating circumstance. But yes, yes, you have and, to... and it was to get Zion in, and it's still oh, <laughs> don't get me started. I mean, as a I, no, no, we will, we will. We'll don't get that, me started on that. We'll save that for another day. Um, but all right, we're gonna take another quick break, and then when we come back, we have a Chris Paul player profile. I'm really excited for this one, so we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. We are back, and Arslan and I are going to do the second player profile of this season, the first NBA one. And I think this is a really good one. I This is a player that I know you and I are both fond of. Um, I I find it hard to find someone that isn't really fond of this guy. Um, what makes it special, I think, is that he played a lot through, like, our younger years of watching basketball. So that's it's Chris Paul. He is a current son. Um, he's actually at the moment hurt. He got hurt right before the all-star break. And so his name's kind of out there, right? Like he was obviously in the finals last year with the Suns. Um, they're the best team in the league right now. And I hope that they can hold it off while he's out for, you know, his six to eight weeks. And when he comes back, they're good for the playoffs. So just, which I I I think they'll be fine. It's that they have a great score in Devin Booker. They're a well-coached team. And they have, like, really good pieces around them, like with DeAndre Aiden, Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Payne, where they're obviously not – I mean, without Chris Paul, they're not contenders, but they can hold down the fort when he's gone or while he's gone. Definitely. But, yeah, so, yeah like Josh said, is that, like – I mean, we've been seeing, like, a lot of our, a lot of our players, like, in our childhood have been retiring, like Kobe, Dwayne Wade, Dirk, KG, Tim Duncan were, like – it seems like the last the last of that generation were our LeBron and Chris Paul, where we all talk about how like LeBron has been playing well for his age. Chris Paul is 37. He's still an all-star. Last year he was a second NBA. He was on the all NBA second team despite his age. And he was a prominent player on a finals team. We're like, I mean, that's just amazing for for a guy like him. Where I don't think we give we I don't think we give Chris Paul enough credit about like how well his his game has aged. Chris Paul's thirty six. And as by I the alluded way. to earlier, I think that I mean he's thirty six. Thank yeah. you. Where I mean this is, I think this I alluded is a new to bit. this earlier. Where when I was going on my epic rant about James Harden, but I mean out of I mean I've seen basketball. I've been watching basketball for a while, and the player with the highest basketball IQ and the best facilitator I ever seen was Chris Paul. Yeah, he's that's what we always talk about talk about him as one of just like the better point guards in NBA history. And we can we can get to that. So I want to go through just some general general like accolades and stats and info from his career. So Chris Ball, he's a 12-time all-star. Okay. He led the league in assists four times and has led the league in steals six times. He's 10-time all NBA. That's that's insane. To be 10 and I think NBA first team four guard. times. Oh, I guess that okay. I didn't realize that includes first and second, but I guess that makes more sense. Um, nine time all defense. He was a part of the NBA 75 team, as he should. Yep. And he, so this is his fifth team. He was on the Hornets, then the Clippers, then the Rockets, then the Thunder, then the Suns. And 
this is a this is just a fun note which we'll get to later but he was the 2008 nba mvp runner-up he was second place second place in 2008 to kobe so best stats did you do you have any have any good chris paul stats you found right yeah like i have plenty that his career high i mean he actually dropped 43 twice in his career and like the most recent time he did it was actually back in 09 against the warriors he has a career high with 21 assists against the Lakers in 2000 in that 07-08 season, which was that runner-up season in that MVP race where he lost my man Kobe, but I digress. And then his career high in rebounds, 13 against his former team in the against the Clippers while he played for the Rockets during then. He was he became the third player at age 36 or older to score 30 points in a finals game last year. The other two were Kareem and Tim Duncan. So those are the only three players to score 30 points in a finals game at 36 or older. And it's funny because LeBron hasn't done it yet because he hasn't played in the finals at age 36 or older yet. I'm surprised Michael Jordan wasn't up there as well. Well, how old was Jordan when he played in his last finals? Or I I feel like he – here, I – see, okay, this is – it's really fun, like, when you go to Google people's ages, yeah. like, throughout an entire podcast. <laughs> right, so, yeah. Because so, his last I mean, I'm bad was, with ages, too. <laughs> that, that can be a new bit for us. His last so finals he was, was born, in 98. Oh, no, right? he was 35 in his last finals game. Okay, yeah. So, like, he's another one that wouldn't be on there. Um, so, for, for Chris Paul to be the third person to do that is wild. Random stats. I have a couple. Here are the amount of 19 assist games this season in the NBA. Chris Paul has two. The rest of the NBA has zero. Do you like that one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the like, assist I mean, man. Like I said, is that best facilitator in, the, in NBA history? Well, not in NBA history, but like at least I've seen. Mm-hmm. So I'm not got, surprised yeah. by that number. Yeah. So I got to go on the negative side for one. Chris Paul is the first, was the first player in NBA history to lose four best of seven series when his team led 2-0, which so it's, one of, those, it's one of those. It's one of those. It's one of those things like it's a team sport, obviously. Yeah. But the fact that he is, he was on four teams to do that is not great. Yeah, which I'm trying to recall those playoff series where yeah I, mean, I know those I last year in the finals up. where they were up yeah last year in the finals those last year in the finals where they were up two year two zero and then I want to say like in 2016 in the first round against Portland that they were up two zero which I mean that comes with an asterisk though because Chris Paul got hurt in Game Three of that series okay that that I think we got that put a lot of Portland to come back because that's one and then. And then in the Western Conference Finals again. The 3-1 choke oh, job. Yeah, so never mind. The Western Conference semis. Yeah, that was a 3-1, which was also 2-0. And then I think, wasn't there a first round against the yeah. Spurs or something? Or am I misremembering that? Second round against the Spurs. But I remember in 08, that was an, a very odd year where the home team exclusively won, pretty much won the, the home team of that series one. And that... I can't speak. The home team of that series would win, except for Game Seven, where the Spurs caught it through. But I'm not surprised because, like, it's the Spurs. They were defending champions that year, and I mean, it was just Chris Paul versus 
Duncan, Ginobili, and Tony Parker were one man can't do it all. Yeah. And it, yeah, and it, it, like, it kind of went along with, um, he was, he was a guy that it took him a while to figure out in the playoffs. And now he's, I mean, he still hasn't won a finals, but like he got to a finals and he proved that he can, he can still do it at the age that he's at. Yeah. Do you have do you have any like, random stats? That was also like yeah, his criticism. Oh no, like I mean, I don't really have any random stats like that, but I do want to add on is that yeah, like, oh good, yeah, is that like his biggest criticism was that like he wasn't a playoff performer until like he finally got to the conference finals in 2018 with Houston, and I would I mean this is like one of my NBA hills that I would die on if he didn't injure his hamstring in Game Five against Golden State when they went up 3-2, if you could play either game six or game seven, I think Houston wins that series and eventually wins the NBA finals and Chris Paul would have a ring. But also just in the playoffs, he has some of the worst injury luck out there, which we can get to like later on. But like in the playoffs, I mean, just bad things happen. Yeah. It's really, really sad for especially a guy that we, you know, we really like and a lot of people do too. Um, All right. Next category, mountaintop. So this one is you're trying to pick what the best three-year stretch of, a, of his career was. So I, I mean, there could theoretically be a couple candidates here. I think there's an obvious answer. Um, the candidates would be the 07, 08, 09 season. And then like the three last seasons with the Clippers. I, I think it's the 07, 08, 09 season. I mean, I think that's his best when you're coming from a statistical standpoint. But I would actually disagree with that where my mountaintop would be like 2012, 2013, and 2014. My reason being is that like he was all NBA first team during all three of those years. And on top of that, he was definitively the best point guard in the league. No no one really even close during then. Like after, I mean, 2015 and onwards, it was Steph. And then like, before that 2012 season, like you had like people like Rondo or Steve Nash, like still like, or Derrick Rose, like competing for that title for best point guard. But in 2012, 2013, and 2014, Chris Paul was definitively the best point guard in the league. And I think that's when it, he really established his name as like, he'll definitely be a future Hall of Famer. So that's why I have to go with those three years. And he was the most complete point guard in the league we probably ever seen in NBA history during then. The only criticism, like, during those years is that, like, he just didn't have the playoff success where 2012 lost to a much talented Spurs team in the second round. 2013 lost to a very good and very gritty Grizzlies team in the first round. And then 2014, which, <clears throat> fun fact is that that 2014 playoff series against the Warriors was the last time that the Warriors lost in the Western Conference before lost in the Western Conference playoffs before getting to the finals. Were, I mean, that's also crazy to speak on the Warriors' brilliance of in itself. But, like, but in 2014, we all remember what happened during then where it was a whole Donald Sterling fiasco, which that that, that had to bring in a distraction for the locker room. So that was just another unlucky break that Chris Paul had in his career. But, like, yeah, I would go 2012, 2013, okay. 2014, so I, best three years for Chris Paul. I might have to... This is good because we had a Zach Dillon. I had a similar argument with the Tom Brady mountaintop. I think I'm gonna have to redefine this because I keep looking at it as their three best statistical years, 
and my guests keep looking at it as like their three best accomplished years because right. i agree like, I, you made a really good point like chris paul that period he was the best point guard like there was no question right that he was the best point guard yeah. at no that time, which helps his case of those being like his three best years but just statistically it was the most points he ever scored in 07 and 08 most assists he's ever had in 07 and 08 and the most steals he's ever had in 07 and 08 so that's uh, it's also just, like to play devil's advocate though that yeah who the hell was in New Orleans when he was on that team? Of course, he was getting like we've seen in the NBA that you can put up like great numbers when, yeah, like look at Trey Young's that no disrespect to Trey Young, but he's putting up great points and assist numbers, but like he's not a better, better point guard than Steph or Ja Morant, right? But so, wouldn't that, wouldn't that go with, with the argument that it's good that he was doing that? Like he didn't have other players with him, so like it would theoretically be harder to do those things, but those were his three, like his two best statistical years. Maybe harder for the assists, but for the points when you're like the clear cut focal point of the offense, uh, and like the yeah, offense has to true. drive through you. No, that's definitely true. Um, that, that'll be a category we might refurnish a little bit, but like, yeah. I think it's good to talk about like both sides of it for sure. Cause I was surprised that those were his best statistical seasons. 07, 08, 09. But I mean, it makes sense. As we mentioned, he was second in the MVP in 08. Um, you, okay. You started to mention it next category hall of fame question. So he's an active player. So the question for him would be, is he going to be a hall of famer? And if so, what was like his crossover point? And if not, like, what would he have to do? What do you think? He's in, right? Oh, absolutely. Is the sky blue? Is it grass green? Yes. He's There's in. a bear crap in the woods. <laughs> and then his crossover point I already alluded to. I think it was like, I mean, everyone knew that he was a great point guard in New Orleans, but I think that at the, by the time he left the Clippers, I mean, there's no argument against him being a Hall of Famer, which, I mean, that would say that was his crossover point. So it didn't matter that he didn't hadn't made the finals yet? That has nothing to do with it? I mean... Well, this is an unpopular opinion I have when it comes to team sports in general. But, like, I mean, obviously a championship is important, but I don't think that it should be a make-or-break-it deal for, like, a player's individual accomplishments or so. Agreed. But like, even if Chris Paul doesn't win a ring for his career, it shouldn't take away from the fact that he had a brilliant career. He's one of the best point guards we ever seen in NBA history, and I think he's the best no, never mind. I think he's the second best point guard I have ever seen, only behind Steph. No, I, I totally agree with like the championship and how it alters like a Hall of Fame case, and we should, like the energy should also be brought the other way when it's like just because somebody wins one, it doesn't automatically make them a Hall of Famer, right? And it's it's weird how we look at it differently right. in different sports too. Because I agree with you, like Chris Paul is definitely in the Hall of Fame. I feel like his crossover point. I maybe even more like when he got to I, I don't have the all NBA like teams in front of me. Um but for longevity purposes, I just feel like once he got to Houston and was still able to do pretty well there, that might have been the point. Um but I, either way, he's he's definitely in. He was on the all NBA 75 thing, like that kind of that kind of seals it. Oh 100%. In my eyes. all right. I love these next two categories. They're always my favorites to talk about. The MVP Goldilocks. 
So again, just reminding everyone, these Goldilocks categories, the point is to say how many MVPs or how many titles this person has. Is it too much? Is it not enough? Or is it just right? So for Chris Paul, he won zero MVPs. He was second in 07-08, as we have referred to. It's obviously not too much because you can't have less. Um, I'm going to say it's about right. I could be cut for the reason that I don't know that he was ever a top two, three player in the league at any point. What do you think? I, I would agree with that. I would say it's just right. And I mean, I absolutely love Chris Paul and this is like, the reason why I would say it's just right is that it's not a diss on Chris Paul. Yeah. It's just the fact that they were just like better players in the NBA than him. Like maybe with the exception of this year, LeBron has been every single year of his career has always been a better player than him. And yeah. then he had to like go up against Kobe, yeah. go up against, I mean, go up against Kobe, Kevin Durant, like Steph Curry, just like players who were just better. Right. So it's just like, it was almost going to be impossible for him to win an MVP and the fact that he came in second in his third year in the league to Kobe when it was Kobe's first and only MVP just shows like how much he would have had to do. It just wasn't going to happen. So yeah, MVP is just about right. Zero, which is fine. He's obviously an all-time great championship yeah. Goldilocks on the other hand. Obviously it can't be too much because he doesn't have any, but it's definitely not enough. It's definitely not enough. He, he should have had at least one. He's got to have at least one. Like, he I mean, should – He should. like, you can't – I actually, you can't leave Chris Paul's career without saying he's an NBA champion. Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't feel right for – I mean, I'm happy that Milwaukee won last year, and it's a great story for a small market team and for a player who stayed loyal like Giannis. But I wanted Phoenix to win just so I can say that – because Chris Paul deserves a ring, and just so I can say that Chris Paul is finally an NBA champion that he finally yeah. got it yeah where it just you're right it doesn't feel right that, to yeah. say that chris paul is ringless where i'm not sure if you watch those sb nation videos where like i mean they do the series no. called untitled so like sb nation or secret base they do the series called untitled where they highlight unti- i mean they highlight like brilliant players who have never won a ring like they done one on barry bonds alan iverson randy moss i don't want to see one on chris paul because like yeah. I feel like it will be just too painful to see that how Chris Paul has been close, but never won at all. Yeah. It would be, I'm, I'm t- like, obviously I feel like Dan Marino is the most brought up player when you talk oh, yeah. about. Oh yeah. They did one on him as well. Oh yeah. And then in the NBA, it's Charles Barkley, right? There's yeah. it's always like Charles Barkley is the Dan Marino of the NBA. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't want Chris Paul to be in that category. And Same you know what? He, I'm not going to say that he's played on a lot of really good teams, but this Suns team is very, very good. Um, they're the best team record wise in the league right now. So I, I mean, he's got yeah. a great shot. Who knows? shot then as he has as great a shot as he's had his entire career with some, with other teams. So right. see what happens. I mean, uh, I would say that his best shot his entire career was his first year in Houston, but unfortunately he just had terrible in- injury luck, right? Hurt his hamstring game five. Against the Warriors, or if he stayed healthy, I mean, he's a he's a champion. Yep. All right, Chris Paul, hero or villain? I have a pretty interesting take on this. Where okay, I think he started off as a hero in New Orleans, 
were like, I mean, he was fairly likable and like just a dude who you love to watch play. And then I think he kind of turned into a villain with the Clippers were just being on an LA super team with like Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. And on top of that, I feel like a lot of people were kind of irritated with Chris Paul at the time was like, I mean, he, I mean, with his flopping antics, him being, and like him just being irritant on defense and also just like drew up a lot of controversy with like just playing really dirty and chippy. And there was just like news about like Chris Paul just like being demanding as a teammate and being just kind of moody and mo- just being like kind of moody and petty and all that. Did you mentioned right, that he was a villain the during then, but I think he reclaimed his heroes. Oh yeah. Which just like, I think like he became, I mean, just like his mannerisms like during then just like was showed that you were just a dude who, it just showed that Chris Paul was a dude that you just did not want to mess with at all. And just showed that he can be kind of moody and temperamental but I think he reclaimed his hero status, maybe not around his Houston year, but I would say definitely. But when he joined the Thunder, were I remember heading to that year, the Thunder they were supposed to be terrible, and then he got the Thunder to be a top five team in the West. We're like, I mean, that's where you have you have nothing to say but to like tip your hat off to him. We're yeah. like, all right, Chris Paul's brilliant. Where you have, to, I mean, you have no choice but to respect him. Because I yeah, no, I agree with you. I, it- it's funny that like we both had a very similar thought about it is where he's, I mean, mostly a hero for his career, but like there were those years in the middle where it was like, Oh man, like you, you, I know he just kind of have a bad rap about him. And there's all these things like, like officials. Right. But then to go to, when he went to the thunder and everyone thought they would suck and they ended up being what like the most improved team that that entire year and a big part was him well technically not most improved because like the year before they were still good with like russell westbrook and paul george sorry yeah not most improved like what what was it was basically it was like the most surprising team yeah 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 um and he kind of got like his the hero ship back which i i kind of like i feel like the fan fans would mostly view him hero anyway just because like we said we love him like there's not that many people i feel like that that don't not like him not just that but i think it was also like a general opinion and like among the nba fan base that they would like to see chris paul win a ring and i knew that like a lot of people rooting for phoenix just because they're primarily just so chris paul can win a ring yeah yeah that that was our last category but i just had this no we i wanted we were kind of talking about earlier the uh, NBA 75 list and like all the point guards you briefly mentioned it so you where do you have him on like your all-time point guard list I have um this might be pretty high but I have him number three I only have him behind Magic Johnson and Steph Curry okay despite having two less rings than him I would have him over I mean I would have him over Isaiah Thomas where Isaiah Thomas brilliant player but the thing is though was Isaiah is that I feel like that he deserves those championships for sure, but I feel like Isaiah also was on a great team at a time where he had Bill Beer, who was a great pick-and-roll partner and was also a great intimidator. Same with Joe Dumars, who was a great secondary partner, could also like, bring buckets and such. Dennis Rodman, great defender, also great intimidator. Rick Mahorn, great intimidator as well. Adrian Danley off the bench could score as well. Mark McGuire could score. Is that like – I mean – my point is that, like, I mean, I just don't think that you can be like, hey, Isaiah 
Thomas has two rings over Chris Paul, that means he's automatically better. Where I think that if Chris Paul, I mean, I know it's hard to like compare different eras, but if you put Chris Paul on that team, I think that he walks away with two rings as well. Where I think that in NBA history, Chris Paul is probably the most complete point guard I ever seen. Like he doesn't have like a single weakness of that. Where he can put up buckets, he can shoot from anywhere, he can defend. He can defend really well. He's a great facilitator and such. Where he doesn't really have a single weakness to him is that he might not be like he might not have ever been like the best player in the league at a given point, but he doesn't have a weakness like. And that's I, I I would say like that's what makes him such a great point guard. Like I feel like that's that was the whole idea of the position of point guard in the NBA was to yeah. maybe not be the best on your team or be like the best individual, but like you do everything so well that you can help lead the team. Um, not just that, but like I think it's also just kind of an eye testing. Where like his stats the last few years haven't been the sexiest, but that's also it just comes with age and also taking like a secondary role to like James Harden and Devin Booker respectively. But also it's just like no matter what team Chris Paul's on, they just get better. Yeah, yeah, and they they've shown that. We just talked about that with the Thunder, uh, the Rockets, the Clippers. It's like every yeah the, the Suns. Suns. Yeah, I mean the the Hornets. Every team, every time he has entered a new team. They he just have, makes them better. Yeah, yeah. And I think that – this is a good way to end it. Like, I think that is kind of his legacy. Would, wouldn't you say? I would say so, too, that, like, he's a guy that, like, yes, he can be demanding as a teammate sometimes, and he can be kind of moody and temperamental. But, he, I mean, he's a player that every coach and every GM wants to have on your team because no matter where he goes, he makes that team better. Like, New Orleans, I mean, they were a contender – I mean – they were a contender for one year with him. But the clip, I mean, the Clippers as a franchise were a joke prior to Chris Paul. Chris Paul made them contenders. With Houston, is that, I mean, he was a torn hamstring away from winning a championship. With OKC, supposed to, I mean, they were supposed to be terrible that year. And then, like, I forget the records on top of my head, but I don't think, like, record-wise or Record wise, I think like record wise, they might have been better despite losing Russell Westbrook and Paul George, mm-hmm. or so. And then like go for the Suns, where the Suns were mediocre for an entire decade, and then first year Chris Paul comes in, boom, you go to the NBA Finals. Yeah, it's like as we keep saying, like he is one of our favorite players we've watched, um, and he's one of the last of like that era of guys that we you know we just we saw when we were younger. Like I still. I remember Chris Paul and David West playing together on the Hornets, which is a crazy combo to remember. But I just have a very vivid memory. Great pick of those and roll. Together. Yep, that was a really good player profile. I'm really glad we did that one. We we, oh, yeah. we I, I told you to send me a list of. I was basically like, hey, give me a list of players, and thinking like, okay, I have a couple in mind. Which I, I forgot to tell you this, but I was thinking John Morant originally. And then I realized, like, for some of the categories, you just – you got to have a player that's been playing longer. So maybe maybe, maybe in 15 years – That was great and all, but he doesn't have that full body work yet. Yeah. Maybe in 15 years when the Real Stack Guy podcast is in season 17, we can do a John Morant one, but (laughs) – Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how far we make it. (laughs) Yeah. Which, I mean, hopefully you guys go all the way because, like, John Morant, he's a great player, but, like, God forbid, like, hopefully he doesn't end up, like, in a Derrick Rose situation. Did you hear that? 
Oscar wood. Me, me knocking on my wooden coffee yeah. table. Oh yeah, knocking on wood. Yeah, I got, yeah. I got us covered. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but Arslan, this was, this was awesome. I'm really glad you got to come on. I'm really, I'm glad that we did the little bit IU at the beginning. Again, a, a little half emergency podcast. But I hope, I hope everyone enjoyed it. Any last thoughts yeah. that you, while you're here that you want to give on the NBA? I think you've earned your right to come back at some point. But while you're here. Anything else you got for us to look forward to? Anything? Uh, well, on the NBA, no, I mean, not really on the NBA, but I just want to say, like, thank you, Josh, for having me on the Real Stat Pod, the Real Stat Guy podcast. And, like, it was good catching up and all, like, talking about the NBA and all that. Cause, like, I remember, like, back in, like, middle school or high school when we would used to run together for, like, cross-country and track. Like, one of our biggest conversation talking points was about football and basketball. And it just, like, seemed like that. Like, I mean, just, like, catching up, like, on the old times when we used to talk about sports and all that. Definitely. It's it's times that I definitely miss. And that's – I've said this in the past. That's one reason I liked starting – I wanted to start this and do podcast episodes was to catch up with people about sports that I would always talk to and that I just don't get the chance to. And it makes for some good conversation. And I, I really enjoyed right, our yeah. talk today. So just catching up on the NBA. Also, do you remember, I think one year in the March Madness pool, do you remember the March Madness pool I did in high school? I think so. Yeah. I think you came in third one year. I was trying to look that up today because I remembered you doing pretty well one year. And I think that it just meant you got your money back. I think that was a, yeah, which, oh no, I think I remember what year it was. It was like the year that Louisville won. Yes. Like, yeah. That's when I was a Michigan fan at the time. And me just being <laughs> a diehard Homer Michigan fan, I had them going really far. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was the year Louisville won. So I just thought that was funny. That That's, that's how far we've, we've come with our, our sports relationship. So obviously great to catch yeah. up again. Um, We'll definitely talk again soon, but thanks again for, thanks so much again for coming on the podcast, Arslan. Oh, no, no problem. And like, I mean, one day if you ever want to have a great, one of our great Peyton versus Brady debates, which that could take up a whole episode of itself. We got to continue that. Oh, trust me. I think we might have to have like five or six people on that episode and have it oh, very yeah. moderated. Cause there are a lot of people that want to talk about that. Oh yeah. So we'll we'll put we'll add you to the list. <laughs> Ta-da. All right, Arslan. Uh take it easy. We'll All right, anyways, Josh. I mean, Thank I'll you. let you go now, but yeah, it's been good catching up. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Big thanks to Arslan for coming on the podcast. He was another longtime coming guest, so it was great to have him on to talk some NBA. And again, thanks to Noah for offering his emotions on IU basketball. This all leads us into March Madness coming up in less than two weeks. Conference championships are next week, and Selection Sunday is always is only less than 10 days away. Uh, looking forward to having more returning guests to prepare us for the madness this month. Until then, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Real Stack Guy podcast. And remember, we are here to not just give you the stats you want, the stats that you need. Thanks everyone.